Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, the 28th of June, 2020, and we gather here together to worship the Lord. Before we get to our real business of today, let me just make one announcement, and that is to say we are glad to have heard from the Northern Ireland Executive that churches will be allowed to meet together to worship once more. Obviously, there are still many restrictions that we need to adhere to, and so as a leadership team, the Kirk Session will meet tomorrow night, half past seven, here at the church, respecting all social distancing requirements. And we will be meeting to discuss how and when we can come back to church building here to worship God together. It won't be a return to normality. It isn't the case of just opening the doors and letting everybody in and hugging and kissing and having cups of tea and all the rest of it. It won't be that probably for quite some time, but we will be allowed back, respecting all the restrictions that are placed upon us, and we will let you know as soon as possible when that date is going to be. But until then, we meet in this way, and we meet to worship God. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 and verse 5 states this about Christ. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We worship Jesus, crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. By his wounds, we have been healed.
Let's bow together now in prayer. Let us pray. Father, it isn't possible to read Isaiah chapter 53 and not to be deeply humbled. Humbled as we remember that this passage spoke of Christ. And humbled as we remember that it was Christ who died for the church. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And upon Christ was the chastisement that brought us as the church of Jesus Christ peace. The church today is a body that is often so despised on this earth. And Lord, at times indeed, it's often despised in our own hearts. Father, in the book of Micah, the charge that the Lord brought against the people was that they were tired and weary of the things of God. Father, forgive us for when we are exactly like them. Forgive us when we treat the things that we do regularly, like sitting under the word and coming to the supper and enjoying the fellowship. Forgive us, Lord, for when we treat those things as if they are so insignificant. Because, Lord, as we pray, isolated from one another this morning, we know how sweet it would be to sit together with brothers and sisters in prayer. It would be joyous to have fellowship together once more. It would be wonderful to hear the words live and in person, let us pray. And so, Father, we ask that you would cause us to hunger for the church once more. Give us a greater desire for the means of grace. And Lord, protect us from the schemes of the devil who, as we sit in isolation, he would have us believe that we don't need the fellowship of believers. Remind us, Lord, that we, by faith, are part of the Holy Catholic Church. And even now, Lord God, we have a closer bond with brothers and sisters in Russia or Brazil or Korea or in Australia than we do with our unbelieving neighbors, our unbelieving family. Father, help us to see the grace in your local church. The word read and preached faithfully. The sacraments administered properly. The fellowship that we have with one another. And the gospel preached into a dark world. Father, she may be despised. But what a precious body the church is. We are part of a family in exile. We're part of a little outpost of heaven here in Balnehinch. And we as individuals are ones for whom Christ died. And so we, may we never again take the church for granted. And Lord, we look forward to the day which we hope will come soon, that we can meet together again. But even beyond that, Father, we look forward together to a city with the foundations whose designer and builder is God. Thank you, Father, for the church. And thank you for Jesus who died for the church. Thank you for the spirit who calls and equips the church. And thank you that today 
You are our God, and we are your people. We are part of the church, and of the church, you remain unashamed. And now as a scattered body, a scattered fellowship, we unite our voices. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, boys and girls. Good to see you once more, and can I just say, you are looking fabulous. Obviously, you've brushed your teeth. Obviously, you've had a shower. I don't see anybody sitting there in their jammies today. You're looking good in your Sunday best, and rightly so. Because, boys and girls, it's time for the children's address. And as I promised last week, we have got a wedding on our hands. But, boys and girls, before I bring the interested parties into our meeting house... I've got to get myself spruced up a wee bit too. There we go, boys and girls. Best jumper on. Best bow tie. I'm looking fabulous. It's time for the wedding. Well, Sir Night Night. Well, Mozart the Misunderstood Monster. Gentlemen, it is good to see you here today. How you feeling, boys? Today, I get to marry my true love. Huzzah! What about you, Mozart? The best man, or should I say, the best monster. I gotta admit, I'm a little bit nervous, dude. First time? No, man. I've been nervous before. Gents, gents. Here she comes. Beautiful, my love. Oui, oui. I certainly do. Well, folks, we're all here. The time has come. And let me just say, today as we come to celebrate this gift of marriage, if anyone has any reason why this pair may not lawfully marry, now is the time to declare it. Scott, you are aware that this is a socially distanced wedding. There's no one here. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, social distancing. Let's move on. Queen Eden of Grove, 
Do you take this man, sir, night, night, to be your lawful husband? Uh, your Majesty, I have to ask you again. Do you take this man, sir, night, night, to be your husband? Uh, uh, Scott, I think you should ask me first. My love prefers to go last. Oh, uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, Sir Night Knight, do you take this lady, Queen Eden of Grove, to be your wife? Of course he will. Kind of need him to say it, Your Majesty. I will. And back to you, Your Majesty. Will you take Sir Night Knight to be your husband? It will be his pleasure. Is that a yes? We. Oui. And Mozart, does the best man, the best monster, have the rings? Here you go, man. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Mozart, uh, Mozart, I made a made a slight mistake here. I, I, it's not the rings I was thinking about. Take it easy, man. It's love that counts. Uh, okay. Uh. There's one for you, Your Majesty. Okay, there you go. And, and Sir Night Night, there's one for you. Yep, good work. Folks, the rings were offered and received, and therefore I declare you pair to be husband and wife. Queen and husband. Queen and husband. Sir Night Night, you may now kiss your bride. And ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause for the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Knight. Psst, psst. Hey, Scotty, you are aware, man, that this is a socially distanced wedding. There's no one here, dude. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. Social distancing. I'll clap and boys and girls, you clap as well. Well done. Congratulations. Woo, 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 woo. Well yep. Awesome. Good work. Well done. Well done. Good work. Scott, my dear friend, can I thank you for such a lovely service? It is my absolute pleasure, Sir Night Night. I've got to know you. I count you as a good friend. It has been an honor to do your wedding, and I'm really excited about spending the rest of the day with you. Where's the party going to be? Why, everything is explained in the invitation. Uh, the invitation? Yes, invitations were sent in the post. Oh, they were, they were in the post? Uh, did they come today? Because I, I left the house pretty quickly. Uh, did they come this morning? No, no, not today. The invitations arrived on Monday. 
all our guests have agreed to come to the party. Oh, uh, there, uh, there must be some mistake because I, I didn't get one. That's right. I'm sorry, Scott, we ran out of space. It is a socially distanced wedding after all. And we thought that because you would be taking the service, you wouldn't mind not coming to the party. Please don't be sad, my friend. We're having steak for dinner. I've heard you don't like steak. I, I love, I love steak. I really love steak. Anyway, my friend, thanks again. I must go. The happy couple, Hawaii! Hey, Scotty, don't stress, man. It probably won't be that good of a party anyway. Are you invited, Mozart? Of course I'm invited, man. My band is playing. Mozart and the Misunderstood Monsters. But hey, I better go. I'm also their photographer, and they want a photo of all their guests. I tell you what, man, I'm pretty laid back, but it's not easy taking photos of 737 guests. Later, dude. Are you invited? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm invited. Are you invited? Oh, yeah. Of course I'm invited. <laughs> Are you invited? Yep, I'm invited. See, when you were talking tonight, Nate, what did he say to you? You're invited. Boys and girls, I've got to admit I'm a wee bit sad. I thought I was definitely going to get to go to the party today. One, two, Turns out, no, I'm not invited. But you know, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to cheer myself up. Because, boys and girls, today is the last time this summer that we're going to look at the book of Revelation.
you and I both know that it is an apocalypse of John. Apocalypses! It's something that has been revealed to us from God through John about the Lord Jesus Christ and about all the things that must soon take place. And we've heard that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the great Amen. He is the bright morning star. He is the root of David. He is worthy. And last week we heard that he was the bridegroom. And boys and girls, today, although I'm not going to get to the big party that's happening somewhere this afternoon, I'm already invited and I am going to the greatest feast that the world has ever seen. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, and in verse 9, boys and girls, open your ears, because here is what God says to us. The angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Did you hear that, boys and girls? Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. That's another name that is given to him in the book of Revelation. Jesus is the lamb whose blood was shed for our sins. We are saved. Our robes are washed clean in the precious blood of the lamb. Because we have trusted Jesus, we have been invited to the wedding feast, to the greatest feast that there will ever be. Boys and girls, maybe sometimes you get sad. Maybe sometimes you feel like you miss out. P7s and Ballenhinch Primary, I'll be seeing some of you tomorrow as we say goodbye. But it won't be like normal. I'll be speaking to you in the car park across the road from our church. And you and your mums and dads will be in your cars. And unfortunately, that's the way we've got to do it this year. Maybe that makes you feel really sad. Sometimes we all go through things that make us sad. But today, boys and girls, doesn't matter how many parties we get to go to in this life, if we have trusted in Jesus, we get to go to the greatest feast of all. In another passage of the Bible, in another book written by John, in John's Gospel and in chapter 14, Jesus tells us that he goes to prepare a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, says Jesus, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus tells us that that place is heaven. Jesus tells us that that place in there are, are many rooms, are many mansions. Jesus tells us that that is what he is doing, preparing that wonderful place for us. And boys and girls, he has invited us to that place by trusting in him. He has called us to accept that invitation by putting our faith in him. And today, if we have done that, then we are called Christians. And one day, we will have a place at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Boys and girls, I'm a wee bit sad today. But this makes me happy, that Jesus loves me so much 
and one day I will get to be with him forever. Boys and girls, you have been invited and many of you have said you are coming. But today, if you haven't, then to you I say again, boys and girls, mums and dads, whoever's watching this, Jesus has invited you to the feast. If you want to be there, then put your trust in him. One, two, three, four. One, two, Friends, turn with me now to the Word of God. This morning we finish our series called Strange Days in the book of Revelation. We're in the very last chapter, Revelation 22. We're going to read the whole thing. Continues on from where we were last week, speaking about heaven. Uh, and we will delight today in this wonderful passage. So if you have your Bible, that's where we are. Revelation 22. This is the Word of God. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side of the river was the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. And they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. 
I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gate. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. We thank God today for his word. I come before you this morning with joyous tidings and good news. This week we sat at home and we watched as Arlene and Michelle stood socially distanced apart and told us that the lockdown was lifting. The news is positive, times are changing and whilst COVID-19 hasn't disappeared and no cure has yet come, lockdown is being loosened ever so slightly and you and I can begin to dream again about beautiful north coast sand between our hairy little toes. But mums and dads, boys and girls, children of all ages, today I want you to think just beyond that somewhat to another date on the horizon. As I preach to you today, it is only 179 days until Christmas. I know 2020 has been pretty hard. It's been a pretty rubbish year so far. Maybe at this point in time, you cannot imagine what Christmas will be like, but it is coming and it is 179 days away. And if that is true, then it means that probably in about 148 days or something like that, I will be picking Christmas carols for our little congregation here in Balnehinch to sing out with joy and gusto. And if I had to pick a favourite, I would pick Joy to the World. I've been known to pick that to be sung by our congregation at various times throughout the year, but of course, especially when the Christmas period comes upon us. Joy to the World. The Lord has come. I love that song. 
And a couple of years ago, as I was reading about it, I I discovered a a verse that we hadn't sung in a very long time. Maybe your church sings it, maybe it doesn't. I would urge you to consider it for six months' time. Joy to the world, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes, and that is Jesus, he comes to make his blessings flow. And here's the line, far as the curse is fine. Do you get that? Joy to the world, because Jesus has come. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Jesus comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, far as we'll leave that there. I love to sing that. I love that rediscovered verse that I'd never heard about before. It is theologically rich and it sums up what Jesus came to do. Jesus comes and he becomes a curse for us. He dies a sinner's death. He pays the price so that the curse is lifted from us through faith in Christ. And Jesus comes to end the curse that blights this earth. The thorns infesting the ground will be no more in the new heavens and the earth because Jesus comes and his sacrifice is sufficient to do away with the curse as far as the curse is found. The gospel is incredibly good news. Because whilst today we have received good news about lockdown and COVID-19, like I say, it's still out there somewhere. But when Christ comes, when the new heavens and the new earth are put in place, there's not going to be an inch of this earth, not any surfaces anywhere that are still going to have a trace of sin and a curse. All of it gets washed away. By the precious blood of the Lamb. Last time out, we heard about the new heavens and the new earth. The city of God, the church, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to dwell on the restored heavens and earth with Christ at the center of it. And we spoke of that wonderful relationship and that covenant, the language. And I even mentioned that Eden was restored. Where do we get that idea from? Well, we get it from chapter 22. We see it exactly as these verses open this wonderful chapter. In verse 1, we read that the angel showed John the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street, verse 2, of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, if you've read that, and, and if you know the creation account, if you've thought much about the Garden of Eden and back in Genesis 1, then, then you would understand that this language is, is speaking again about Eden on earth. Let's go there for a wee second. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10, it says a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The river returns. It's flowing through the city. The water is bright as crystal. It is the water of life. William Hendrickson says this about the river in his little commentary. This river is the river of life for it symbolizes eternal life. Salvation, full and free, the gift of God's sovereign grace. The curse is gone and Eden is restored and the river of life 
flows again in the midst of the people of God. But the tree of life is there as well. Back in Genesis 2 and verses 8 to 9, we read, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he informed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The river has returned, and so too has the tree of life. We read here that on either side of the river was the tree of life. We don't know if, if it's multiple trees of life or one giant tree that, that spreads right across the river, but it is there. On either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. The number 12 again, there's fruit enough for the people of God. And it yields its fruit each month. It is always in bloom. There is always a harvest. There is always life abundant. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's beautiful language. It's wonderful language. Because here again we speak of how the curse will be done away with. And if you don't know much about the curse that has fallen on this world and still blights it to this very day, well, again, get yourself back into the book of Genesis and chapter 3 and you will read all about it there. Adam and Eve disobey the Lord. They fall into sin and the Lord comes and he speaks to them both and also to the devil, the great serpent. In Genesis 3 and verse 14, the Lord preaches the gospel to Satan. He says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here is the covenant of grace. The Lord says, a child is coming, the seed of the woman is coming and he will crush your head. Satan hears the gospel. Satan comes under the curse. But to the woman, the Lord says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your, des your desire shall be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to the man, he says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Here's the curse that falls. And we see evidence of it every single day. We, we see sin abounding in this world. We see evidence of it in the pains of childbirth and how we raise our children to say goodbye to them and, and the tragedy sometimes that goes on in that. And we further see the curse in, in how we are to work for everything we have. The man is told that you will have to sweat and, and bleed and work hard to bring forth even a loaf of bread. And we know that, don't we? What is it Bob Dylan once said in his great song, 20 years of schooling and they, they, they put you on the day shift? That's the reality. We know what it is to be men and women who are fallen and living in a cursed, dying world. And what is worse is at the end of Genesis 3 and in verse 24, 
the man is driven out of the garden. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, the Lord placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. We have come under the curse. We have come under the curse of sin and death. And we have come into a place where we cannot have that fellowship and intimacy and relationship with the Lord that we once knew back in the garden. But Revelation 22 tells us that a day is coming when the curse will be done away with. As far as the curse is found, the river of life will flow again in the city of God. The tree of life will flourish and bloom again in the city of God. And in verse 3 we read that no longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in this city and his servants will worship him. Joy to the world. Joy to the world for the Lord has come. Joy to the world because Jesus has come and we are saved and we are healed by his stripes. There is healing in the leaves of the tree of life. It is healing for the nations. It is healing for anybody who will come. It is healing for this world when Christ returns. Everything accursed will be gone because Jesus comes to chase away evil and sin as far as the curse is found. And you see, our greatest problem has been done away with. Jesus, we read in Galatians 3 and verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree my brothers and sisters here is joy and life abundant here is true and lasting wonderfully significant hope not dependent upon a word from the big house up at Stormont, a word from the executive, not dependent upon an email that comes three months too late from church house, but we trust today in the word of God that says Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. The world has been, on, been put on notice. These days are the last days. Christ is coming and coming soon, and he comes to restore and renew as far as the curse is found. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more thorns to choke the ground, no more night as we read in verse four, 5, no more death, no more sin. And in verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. See, there's something special about face-to-face -face contact. Today again, I preach in an empty church. It has been months since you and I saw each other face to face. Some of us have bumped into one another at Poundland and in other socially distant places, but most of us haven't seen each other in ages. There's something special about face to face contact 
No wonder as churches we are longing to get back together, even if it is limited numbers. And why? Because it will be good to see friends and family and loved ones once more. It will be good to gather together in 20s and 30s or 40s and worship together once more where we can see one another, where we can hear one another. There is something special and significant about face-to-face contact. Now, as yet, I have no grandchildren. As yet, I have no family that have moved away and gone to live in America or Australia or even across the water. I don't have any of that as yet, but some of you do. And I know some of you would much rather that your little grandchildren were round the corner and say, Saintfield instead of Canada or instead of London or instead of Scotland. Because, yeah, we've got Skype and we've got Zoom and we've got WhatsApp. But nothing beats face-to-face contact. Nothing beats that fellowship, that intimacy, that ability to give each other a hug, to see each other. My brothers and sisters, joy to the world. Because Christ has come to remove from us every sin and stain and, and trouble that we have ever faced. As far as the curse is found and no more, no more will we see through a glass darkly. But in these days, we will see God's face. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? See, we know that today that is not possible. Back in Exodus 33 and verse 20, Moses was told, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face and live. But all of that goes. We will walk with God. We will see him in the new Jerusalem, in the new Garden of Eden, on this new earth. We will see the Lord. Joy to the world, because Christ has done this work. But maybe today it This sounds like it's just too good to be true to you. Lockdown's been hard, and life generally is is hard anyway, even when COVID-19 was something you didn't know anything about. At times, life can just be so much of a struggle that we, we can't imagine days like this where we will walk in the golden streets of glory with Jesus. But these words are not pie in the sky. These words are not the words of a politician. I heard experts this week saying, well, lockdown's being loosened, but you know, we're, we're taking a big chance. We're taking a risk. But my brothers and sisters, there's no risk in trusting Jesus. In verse 6, we're told, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. These things are absolutely guaranteed. They will come to pass. They must soon come to pass. And Jesus tells us in verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, verse 8. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. These things sounded so incredibly extraordinary to John that he falls before the angel and, and starts to worship. And the angel says, don't do that. 
Don't do that. I, I am a, a fellow servant, verse 9, with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Instead, worship God. Don't, don't do that, John. Don't do that. But my brothers and sisters, we, we would marvel too if we saw the vision that John saw and we, we saw how everything would be brought to a wonderful conclusion, we, we would marvel too. We would be overcome too by the scale of it and the glory of it and the majesty of it. And yet these words are faithful and true. They are certain and all of this will take place. We may dream of the days and months and years to come, but there is no greater dream than this one. No greater hope than this one. Jesus is coming. And he tells us again later, he underlines it later in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. I am bringing my recompense with me. Again, he tells us he is coming in judgment. He is coming to repay each one for what he has done. And the Lord has said in this very chapter that, that there won't be this massive significant change until he comes. Verse 11 says, let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Or in other words, those who love the Lord will still follow him and still obey him until he comes, and those who are his enemy will still do the wicked and evil things that they do. But behold, I am coming and bringing my recompense with me. Jesus is, as we read in verse 13, both the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last and the beginning and the end. History begins with him. It is centered around what he does at Calvary and it ends with him. There is no escape from the Lamb. There is no hiding from the Lamb. All that you can do is reject him and take your chances, but you will find that he will judge you righteously and you will go to a lost eternity. Instead, we are to receive the Alpha and Omega. We are to trust the Lord. As we read in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes. These men and women who do that, we are told, have the right to the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates. And you see that city imagery has been highlighted all the way through this book. We've talked about Babylon. Last week we talked about the city of God. And here's that imagery again. The one who receives Christ. The one who does business with the one who is the beginning and the end. The one who trusts and looks to Jesus. Well, that one is blessed. Their robes are washed. They are saved. They are redeemed. They live inside the city. But the one who refuses goes outside. Simple imagery. A simple sermon from a simple preacher, but it is true. Verse 15 says, outside the city are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And you see, that's the dividing line in human history. It's, it's not about how much money you end up with in your bank account. It's not about what school you go to. It's not about the job you do or who you marry or the prestige that you have. Ultimately, none of those things count for a single second. Ultimately, what you need to be concerned about is whether you will live inside 
or outside the city of God. And we know what is outside. We know that the place called hell is outside of the city. We know that the lake of fire which burns forevermore is outside the city. And you know, I've heard many people saying, well, I'd rather be free in hell and be a slave in heaven. Such arrogance. Such foolish arrogance. The word of God does not tell us that you will rule in hell. Satan does not rule in hell. The Lord is the king over hell just as he is the king over heaven. And the devil will be tormented day and night in the presence of God and his holy angels. My brothers and sisters, those of you who have trusted Christ, you are inside the city, but for the Christ rejectors, only outside awaits. And for the last time in this series, I urge you, my friends, if that describes you, then it is time to receive the invitation to the wedding feast and to do something about it. Repent of your sins and trust in Christ. And your address changes from outside to inside. But for us, for the church, we will be inside. When asked what we will do in heaven, Jim Packer once wrote, What will we do? We'll not lounge around, but we will worship. We will work, we will think, we will communicate. We will enjoy activity and beauty and people. And most of all, we'll enjoy God. You see, when we think of heaven and we think, well, we're just floating around, is that right? Is that all we do? Or we go a wee bit further and we ask questions like, will, 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 we, will we play football there? We miss out the scale of it all. Jesus tells us in Matthew 8 and verse 11, many will come from east and west and will recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 17 and verse 3, at the transfiguration of the Lord, we see there Moses and Elijah, and they are talking with Jesus. I can't imagine anything greater than talking with Jesus face to face. I can't imagine a happier, greater day than that one. When we are in glory inside the city, Rejoicing in the restored Garden of Eden and seeing the wonderful face of our crucified and raised Lord. What will we do there? We will enjoy God and we will enjoy him forever. You see, we are men and women of faith. We live in strange days, certainly as as aliens and strangers on this earth. But today, my friends, we are those who have received the sevenfold blessing of the book of Revelation. You see, throughout the book, there are benedictions, blessings, good words about us. 
There are seven of them, that perfect number as we've heard about. And there are two of them in this very chapter that we will come to in just a wee moment. But child of God, today with all your worries and doubts and fears and and maybe with the attitude that says it still sounds too good to be true, remember who you are in Christ and remember what you have received. In Revelation 1 and verse 3, we're told, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this book. In 14 and verse 13, we read, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. In chapter 16 and verse 15, we read, Blessed is the one who stays awake. In chapter 19 and verse 9, we read, Blessed is the one who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And in this chapter, we read that blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And blessed is the one, verse 14, who washes their robes. And as we heard just a week or so ago, blessed is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Chapter 20 and verse 6. My brothers and sisters, this, this is who we are. This is our comfort and this is our joy. This is our story and this is our song. And I could break into song over that. But this is who we are. We may miss out on earthly glory and we may not be invited to the party that everybody else is going to and all of our dreams on this harlot world might just pass away like a breath of wind in a stormy day. But make no mistake, in this book there are to be no additions and no subtractions The Lord says in verse 18, do not add anything to this book of Revelation or else God will add to you the plagues described in this book. In verse 19, don't take away anything from the words of the book of this prophecy or God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. This book was never meant to frighten you. It was never meant to rest in the hands of those who could see tanks and bombs and Donald Trump and African popes. This book was given to tell you, part of the bride of Jesus Christ, what must soon take place and to encourage your soul as you see the good news that Jesus Christ is victorious, preparing a place for you and is one day coming back with his recompense and will take you to be where he is. Your name is in his book. His name is written upon you. You will see him with your own eyes. Here is our hope. See, today, the bride, which is the church, united with the Spirit in verse 17, are the ones who say, come. The ones who who say, come and, and receive this message. Come and receive this hope. Come and embrace Jesus as he is offered in the gospel. The bride and the spirit, this is our witness and our testimony until the day and hour that Jesus returns. 
And so today as part of the bride and, and today in the power of the spirit, I urge you to come. I urge you to come if you are weary and I urge you to come if you are heartbroken and I urge you to come if you are fed up with all that this world has to offer and I urge you to come if you understand the, the depravity of your condition and I urge you to come if you are thirsty and to come and take the water of life that will quench your thirst and it is water that you receive without price. The bride and the spirit say, come. Come and be saved and come and rejoice in this glorious inheritance that Christ has prepared for us. You see, surely, as Jesus tells us in verse 20, he is coming soon. And to that wonderful word we reply, Amen, come soon, Lord. You see, today we know that when the first Adam fell into sin, the gate to Eden was shut. Fellowship with the Lord was broken. Sin and death entered into the world, and still today in that we stand. But the second Adam came. Jesus Christ came. And through Jesus, we have access to the holy place by a new way by his flesh, and we can draw near confident because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus has opened the way and he has removed sin as far as the curse is found. I am glad today that Arlene and Michelle are starting to open the gates a wee bit for the people of our land. But what they have done and what they have said come nowhere close to the things that the Lord has revealed to us in this wonderful book. Today, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one sees heaven except through Jesus. And to those of us saved, those of us who are called the redeemed of the Lamb, today we sing Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my Thy presence, my life. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I am with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou Father 
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be ours now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>